Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor at Creekside. I'm a pastor who pastors with other pastors, and one of those pastors is here today, and that's my dad, Sean Bruce. Dad, it's been a minute since we've been together. <laughs> been about two months. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah? I'm doing well. Yeah. It's good to be back together. What has happened in the last two months, Dad? Uh, do you have any other questions? <laughs> Remember, <laughs> I'm aged. You're aged? Aged. And, and all I remember is you need, what happened today. You need time to ruminate. <laughs> yes. No, it's been a good time. Yeah. So, so Dad. Good um, start for the Okay, year. here's another question. Um apropos to nothing uh did the niners make the right choice in in ditching jimmy well they haven't ditched him yet it's a good point they haven't ditched him yet i think they made the right choice in playing him rather than trey lance yeah i think i think he gave them a better chance of winning which obviously until the final game i would agree they were doing doing great i would agree i don't think i would have done that now dad i think the the elephant in the room with the niners is this Shanahan is good enough to get you close, but is he good enough to get you the chip? And I don't think so. Falcons, NFC Championship game, failure against the Niners. Super Bowl with the Falcons, caves against the Patriots in the fourth quarter. Uh, Super Bowl, caves in the fourth quarter to the Chiefs. NFC Championship game, caves in the fourth quarter to the Rams. Shanahan, Dad, common denominator. That's what that's what keeps me up at night as a Niner fan. Yeah, but you know how many coaches have their team in the NFC Championship game in two out of three years? Right. It's true. Andy Andy Reid was an almost there coach for a long time. Yeah. Before he got there. Yeah. With, with uh, Kansas City. So uh, I just think I think this is my own opinion. Is probably in error. But what is sports dead other than our own opinion yeah, on these that's things? True. So, yeah. well, I just think, I think Shanahan tries to control more than he's able to control. Hmm. And, and he's, he's cautious. He's, he's too cautious and he doesn't trust his players enough. He trusts his system too much. Yes. And the and player's I, not enough. I think, and I think the more confidence as he, as he gets older, yeah, he will develop greater confidence in his players and he will communicate that confidence to them, and that will, and I think that will get them over the edge. Well, listeners, at this point, what <laughs> we're going to cut all this anyway. <laughs> what what you need to know is that deep in our hearts, we really just want to do sports radio, and uh, <laughs> but we won't. We're done with that because this is not a podcast of the 49ers. How about those Olympics? Uh-huh. <laughs> Haven't watched a minute. I haven't either. Yeah. Anyway, uh, today we are going to start a whole new series on prayer. But before we do that, I think it'd be good to just reorient our listeners to why we're doing this podcast, because this is a podcast about habits for the Christian life. We want to give you the tools, the skills that are necessary to practice the Christian life. We want you to develop habits uh, and the habits that are necessary to follow Jesus now, Dad, to my knowledge, we don't have a theme verse for this podcast, but I'd like to suggest a theme verse today, and that's 2 Timothy 3.16. And more specifically, where Paul says that Scripture is profitable, the Word of God is profitable for training in righteousness. It's great. The Bible, Paul says, is useful for training. 
it trains us how to live a life pleasing to God. And when I hear that word training, I think repetition. Yeah. To become skilled at anything, you have to do it over and over and over. And, and Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 that we are supposed to train ourselves for godliness. And I think that for many Christians, this is the missing link in their relationship with the Bible and in their relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That, that even if you're a believer who knows the Bible pretty well and who loves the Bible and enjoys reading the Bible, this sense that the Bible gives you um, habits to implement or that the Bible needs to be reduced to practice uh, I think I think Christians struggle to to grasp that aspect of the Christian life. What would you say? I agree. I I heard somebody put it so well the other day. He said, "Spiritual formation is habit formation." Yeah. And I think that's exactly it. That training is the development of habits. Is replacing bad habits with good habits. Mm-hmm. And and so if you are training, using the Word of God to train you, you are replacing the lies that you've learned through the world, the flesh, and the devil all your life, and you're replacing those with truth lived out in habitual form. Yeah. And that's really where a lot of the effort in Bible study comes, is seeing what specifically, what behavior is being commanded here. Yeah. And then reducing that to a small, doable, repeatable step. Yeah. Yeah. Something achievable that you could do every day to form a new habit. Exactly. You have to remember it in order to build a habit. So it's got to be simple. And that's really what we're doing here is just sharing the things that have been helpful to us in, in terms of small, doable, repeatable steps to yeah. obey the Bible and live the way of, of Jesus. Because if we don't break it down to that, it just stays in the realm of information yeah. and we never get to implementation. Yeah. So Good. about after two months, you know, in addition to the Niners, we should uh, talk about uh, why we're doing this podcast yes. in the first place. It's good. So today we're going to start a whole new series on something that I would say every Christian knows they are supposed to do. And yet every Christian I've ever met struggles to do, and that's to pray. We'd like to spend four weeks on the practice of prayer. When you pray, what should you do? Good. And, and really get practical there. Um, Dad, why don't we pray? Okay. Why don't we? Why don't we? No, I was not we? a rhetorical question. Oh, you don't mean to, I thought you wanted to pray right now. I, um. I mean, we could, and now I feel bad that we're not praying, because that's something you're always supposed to do. But, but why... Let me, let me say it this way. Why don't we pray, Dad? <laughs> okay, it's a good question. I think it cuts down to the nature of sin, that sin is independence. And so our flesh does not want to draw near to God, does not want to depend on God. We, we think we can handle things on our own, and that's why we don't pray. If, if we really saw how dependent we are on God for everything, for strength and joy and health and and direction and everything we want from life that we are incapable of coming up with ourselves. We would be praying all the time. But because sin deceives us into thinking that we don't really need God, that we can be God, that's why we don't pray. That's a great answer. And I would say that, yeah, the gravitational pull of sin, and that's the flesh. Yeah is the gravitational pull of sin that's still in us, even as believers, is independence, Yes, is to have our own way. And so another way of saying that would be that the gravitational pull of sin is prayerlessness. Yes. That we are oriented away from prayer 
and not towards it in our flesh. Exactly. Which means by the power of the Spirit, the only way we're going to do this is through focused repetition, discipline, self-denial to learn how to pray. Yeah, until it becomes a habit. Until it becomes a habit. Yeah. And I think that's important to state at the beginning of this because it means that as a Christian, you shouldn't beat yourself up because you don't want to pray. Yeah. You should realize that, that no, it's, it's going to feel unnatural to pray. Yeah. And I think sometimes prayer is portrayed as this, this sort of dreamy, reverie, spontaneous, I just lapse into prayer and this thing I want to do. And, and, and I would say that, that the people I know who are persistent in prayer, that hasn't been their experience no. a, at all. Yeah. Um, it's like saying people naturally diet. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think you see this throughout the scriptures, the language used in prayer um, and contending in prayer and yeah. striving in prayer. Paul says, I agonize in prayer. Yeah. Um, really implies that there's a, a training regimen here too. Yeah. With prayer. Yeah. And, and so I think certain prayer in the Christian life will always be spontaneous. You run into a scary situation, you're going to throw up a prayer. Yeah. Um, when you're anxious, you're, you're going to be more, you know, inclined. Uh, yeah. It's the whole, you know, atheists and foxholes thing that, yeah. that humans are going to throw up a prayer when they're in a in a scary situation, regardless of what they say they believe. But to be persistent in prayer, to, yeah. to pray the way the Bible tells us to pray, to pray unceasingly, is going to require a much uh, more regimented absolutely approach. You know, I, I love in the garden where Jesus says to the disciples, "Couldn't you pray for just an hour?" <laughs> That's one of those verses you read that you go, yeah, idiot, couldn't you do that like me who prays for an hour at night? Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> that's a good one because it really shows how different Jesus is from us. Yes, yes. And so good. Well, we want to become like Jesus, and, and Jesus was mighty in prayer. Um, it's significant that the disciples... Just as they look at Jesus' life, they say, teach us to pray. Right. Yeah. Um, that apparently he was so effective and powerful at prayer that, yeah. that, that they said, "I yeah. teach me how to do that. Yeah. So we're, we're taking four weeks on prayer, and uh, someone came up with an acronym at some point that talks about the four kinds of prayer in the Bible, the four ways people pray, and uh, ACTS is the um, acronym, A-C-T-S. And uh, it's a good acronym for a lot of complicated words. Yeah. <laughs> adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, adoration being adoring God for who he is. Confession is uh, our failures. Um, thanksgiving is just praising God for answered prayer or what he's done in our life. And supplication is just asking God yeah. for things. So th these are all habits we need to develop in, in prayer if we're going to have a balanced prayer life. Yeah. Uh, and so we're going to start with adoration. Before we jump into that, do you have anything to say more generally about prayer? No, I think you've said it well. All right, then then we'll jump in with adoration, which I think maybe out of the four of these is the one least talked about, or, yeah. or least thought about for Christians. And so, yeah, initial thoughts on adoration. Why is it important to spend time adoring God? I, I For me, uh, honestly, this has been the weakest part of prayer uh, for me. And uh, I, I realize that a lot of my prayers are me talking to me about me and hoping that God's listening. 
And and it it is really it's really looking at it's looking at prayer through the wrong end of the telescope because you you miss the the majesty of God which gives you then the faith to move on to confession, supplication, and thanksgiving. So I think starting with God is so important. I, I think the verse in in John 4 where Jesus is talking to the woman of the well, and he says that those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. For such worshipers God seeks, that God is actually seeking people who will worship him, that he delights in worship. And so I that raises the priority of adoration for me that I want to learn how to honor God for who he is and and appreciate who he is rather than jumping immediately to my concerns. And and, um, and I find that when I do, it, it, it completely changes the way I pray uh, because the big things suddenly become small and the small things suddenly become big. Hmm. And it, it reorients makes it much more enjoyable and much more healthy when I start with who God is. That's good. And I think it gets back to this gravitational pull of sin issue that even when we pray, the pull is going to be toward me, my needs, my concerns, what I need. And and that's great. That's That's fine to pray through all of those things. But if it's only those things, like you said, it can become an, an internal monologue where we hope God's listening. Yeah. Exactly. Rather than really addressing the God of the universe. Yeah. Now, I was reading today in Proverbs, and uh, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And what that said to me is I can't really understand life unless I start with God and, and take God's perspective on everything. And so if I don't start with God, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how to pray. Right. Because... The Christian life is a life of faith. It's responding to what God has revealed about himself. And that, that applies to every area and how much more prayer. Right. And, and if you don't start with God, you don't start with the right priorities, the right perspective, everything. Yeah. And, and, and so you're, you're off on the wrong foot, and, and you're going to end up in the wrong place yeah. in your prayer life. And it's significant when Jesus gives his template for prayer in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, which really isn't Jesus' prayer as much as Jesus' the way Jesus teaches us to pray. Yeah. Uh, it's the disciples' prayer, yeah. uh, you know, that the Lord models for us. But um, he says, right, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, their, be thy name, be your name, right? And uh, what does it mean for God's name to be hallowed? It's uh, to be set apart yeah. as great, yeah. as supreme. And so what does that imply when we're asking God for that, that his name would be set apart in the world as holy? Well, it implies that we have set it apart. That, that in, in our imagination, in our minds, God is supreme, yeah. that God reigns. And so implicit, even in the Lord's Prayer, is that we begin with adoration, yes. that we begin with, with prizing God as, as the one um, before whom we have no other gods. Yeah, exactly. God and God alone. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's good. We, we get the right perspective from adoring God. Um, do you have other reasons why we should adore God? What do you think? Well, I think that's where where you really experience the joy of His presence, yeah. Because the joy of prayer is Him, not not praying. Um, mm. You know what I mean. And so, if it's like when you have a conversation with a loved one, I enjoy the conversation a whole lot more if I'm focused on that person, right? 
and, and listening to them and getting to know them and appreciating them, then I'm all wound up in myself, my own concerns, and they're just kind of the audience. And I think this gets to a, a good point about the purpose of prayer, that if you reduce the purpose of prayer to petition and just asking God for things, you, you end up with a very um, emaciated view of what prayer actually involves, because I think more fundamental, a more fundamental reason to pray is just to be in communion yeah. with the God you were created to be in communion yeah. with, and yeah. prayer is the way that we do that, and the petition flows out of that communion, just yeah. the fact that we are made to worship and know this God, yeah. and to be in His presence. And so adoration is an acknowledgement of that. At the same time, though, adoring God is a way that we are changed. Yeah. Um, I think of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 3, that as we behold with unveiled face the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And yeah. so the principle there is that we become like what we behold. Yeah. And, um, and so whatever we prize in our hearts and think about, we, we tend to take on the image of that thing and the priorities of that thing. And, and so we all know that already, and all sorts of things can capture our heart, right? A significant other, a sports team, a, yeah. a meal, right? Uh, money. But whatever that thing is, we, we reorient our lives around. And if we never take time to just adore God, as the, the supremely valuable, desirable one, um, we don't become like him. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's important to remember that everybody in the world prays. I mean, that, the fact that you pray is no big deal. It's just human to pray. But the difference between pagan prayers yeah. and, and Christian prayers is that the pagan prays for themselves. They, right. they have things they want to get their God to do for them that they don't feel like they can get otherwise. But the Christian prays for the relationship. You, you want to talk to God, and, and the, the requests are just incidental. They're just, they're just a means to get you into God's presence. They're not the end of the prayer. Yeah, praying to an idol is a means to an end. Yeah. Christian prayer is an end in itself. Yes. Just to talk to God because we're created yeah. for that relationship. Yeah. That's good. So I think those are a bunch of good whys, uh, and, and we could, you know, um, support all of those from Scripture. So other than starting by saying, God, you're great, and uh, I, I think it's, it's hard to know how do you adore God. What, what should you spend time doing when you adore God in prayer? What have you found helpful as practices of adoration? I, I, cannot, I cannot adore God or worship God out of a vacuum. I have to be responding to what God has revealed about himself. And so I spend a lot of time looking for sources that give me information about God that I can respond to in order to adore God. So um, some of the things that have helped me, I think one is singing hymns. Mm -hmm. um, I, there, there are, I like the great hymns of the faith and because people who are smarter than me and who can put words together have written some great hymns. Right. And, and I'll just go to YouTube as a regular part of my, my time with the Lord and, mm. and sing along with, with other people some of these great hymns because I find that just lifts me up to God. That's, that's one thing that's been real helpful to me. Another thing is, is prayers that have been written by other people. Because again, the same thing. I I find um, whether they're the Psalms, 
Um, it's, it's interesting to me how often the Psalms are used by other people in the Bible in their prayers. You read Jonah, yeah. and when Jonah is in the belly of the fish, what's he praying? He's praying Psalms. Yep. He, he's not coming up with any original material. When Mary prays uh, the, the great prayer in, in, with Elizabeth in, in Luke chapter 2, it's all Psalms. It's, it's stuff like that. So, yeah. so, so people use the words of other people's praise to to praise God themselves. And then I, I like, I really use the Valley of Vision, which is a, a great little book of, of Puritan prayers. Yeah. And I, I pray through one of those every day just because I feel like these are great prayer, prayer praises in prayer of things I don't even think about. And, but, but far deeper people than me have said. And so I find that helpful. That's good. And I, I think it, those, what's interesting about each of those examples is that you are letting other people put words in your mouth yeah. to pray to God, right? Whether it's scripture or just great prayers throughout the, the tradition of the church or great hymns that have stood the test of time. Um, and I think that cuts against a tendency that we might have to think, well, if prayer, for it to be heartfelt or spontaneous, it has to be the overflow of my own heart and kind of ma- making up my own words and reasons to to glorify God. And I would just challenge people to say that the Bible itself really cuts against that, as you're saying, that throughout the Bible, people take the language that's tried and true that applies to their situation and use it. And there's no tension between sincerity and the form of prayer yeah. being something already spoken. Um, and, and, and so make those prayers your own as yeah. you read through the Bible, and whether it's, you know, Psalm 145 through 50 and all those prayers of thanksgiving or uh, other ones. Um, it, it does not stifle sincerity just to have other people say words, that, that, to, to put words in your mouth in a sense. And I would say the danger is if you just rely on your own wisdom and thoughts, um, my mind is so undisciplined that I won't spend much time focusing on God. Yeah. And, and so it strikes me that the Bible both commends words to use and postures. Let us come and kneel before the Lord. Let us bow down. Why are, why are you asked to make your body do these things? Yeah. Because your heart is more likely to follow your body as you're doing these things. And yeah. so it's not a very Western individualistic way of thinking about yeah. <laughs> prayer, um, but it's effective because yeah. you, you're, you're building a habit and, yeah. and here are some of the skills, right? Your posture, the words you use, all those things. Yeah, that's good. No, originality is overrated. And, uh, I, I just think that, that it's the sincerity of your heart that even though these are somebody else's words, if you really believe them, yeah. that's the important thing. Right. Yeah, and I would say another helpful practice in this that I found is as you're adoring God and, and, and meditating on a, a, a psalm or something, you know, writing out where you have seen this attribute of God mm-hmm. in your own life. Where have you seen his wisdom, yeah. his goodness, his yeah. faithfulness, faithfulness, just to make it concrete. Yeah. Um, and personal, and that's a that's a way I found helpful to do that. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Any other thoughts? I think it's just do it. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's uh, again, it's a habit, and I think the more you do it, the more indispensable it becomes because it 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 touches you at such a deep level, right? And it it brings the presence of God so much more powerfully into your life because again, it's like conversing with anybody if you focus on them you it, it makes the conversation so much richer than if you just folk are focused on yourself and yeah. and we are a very small package 
to be, um, you know, to be caught up in. It's getting out of yourself and focusing on someone greater than yourself, and who could be more worthy of that than than God Himself. Yeah, it puts all the the problems in your life in their proper perspective. Exactly. And I find it interesting in in Matthew six that Jesus ends Matthew six right by saying, here are all the things you'll be worried about in life. Where, you know, where should we live? What should we wear? All of these things. Is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, the things you're concerned about, will be added to you. What Jesus is saying there is, if you make God's concerns your concerns, God makes your concerns his concerns. Exactly. Is, is the, and, and what's so interesting to me is if you go back and read the Lord's Prayer, which is in the same chapter, through that lens, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is all about um, God's concerns. Your name, your kingdom, your will. The second half is about our daily bread, right? Our need for forgiveness, yeah. our need for deliverance, right? And so Jesus brilliantly models, here's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. Even in the way you pray, seek first God's concerns and then trust that God will seek yours. Yeah, that's right. And that's why adoration needs to come, I think, first in the way we pray. It does, and it and it what it does is it trains you to get out of a transactional mindset. Yes. Where what do I get out of this? Is which is the great danger for all of us. We all tend to use other people. We tend to use God. We tend it's it's we are the center of of our universe, and everything revolves around us. And, and how does it affect us? And making adoration a regular discipline um, begins to train our soul to orbit around God rather than everything orbiting around us. And that is so freeing. And it, 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 it is really the answer to worry and fear and, and uh, anxiety and, and hurry and all these things because you just see life from a completely different point of view. That's really good. Couldn't put it better than that. And so I'm not going to try. I'm just going to end the podcast. So, Dad, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. This has been helpful. And uh, listeners, hope it's been helpful for you. And uh, we'll, we'll be back soon, probably with less Niners talk, but definitely with more prayer talk. So until then, have a uh, blessed week. <laughs>